Beautiful people. So great to have you back with us for another episode of the Outlet Radio Show. Yes, y'all, I am super giddy today because I have my girl in the hot seat with me. I can't wait, y'all. But before I get ahead of myself, we must say hello to the man holding it down in the background on sound, Mr. V. Jeffrey Smith. Hello. Thank you very much. Now to all my lovely listeners who were kind enough to comment and compliment how great the show sounds. This is the man responsible. He puts in work, y'all. I'm trying to tell you. Day in and day out, he does a lot for me. So I just want to say a very, very big thank you to you, sir. Thank you for being here. I appreciate the love. Thank you. <laughs> now let me <laughs> let me turn my attention to the woman sitting across from me. She is the founder of Carol's Daughter, a beauty connoisseur, a mother, a wife, and my sister from another Mr. Mrs. Lisa Price. Welcome, Lisa. I'm so excited to have you here. Now it feels official. I feel like okay, I've officially, I officially have a radio show because Lisa is here. I, I'm sitting here like, wow, Azani is about to like really interview me, not just sit in my kitchen and talk. <laughs> I know, guys, this you guys like a real interview. This is crazy. You guys don't know, but Lisa and I have known each other for a long time. I think I first entered into your life when I was about 19 or 20 years old. 19. Which is about a year ago. <laughs> no, it's been about, I don't know, 15 or 16 years that we've known each other. And I remember the exact day. It was February 7th. I don't remember wow. the year. I just remember the day because seven is my favorite number. Everything significant that's ever happened in my life has had a seven on it. And I remember when I walked into your, your, your home, I was like, this is going to be big. I feel it. I know it. And it was just <laughs> an amazing moment. I remember what it smelled like. It was February, so you guys were getting ready for Valentine's Day, so the house smelled like chocolate. <laughs> you know, all these chocolate soaps and things, and it was just amazing. Wow. But the thing that stands out the most about our first meeting was um, our in the interview question. So I had had a pre-interview with you over the phone, and that went really well. And so then you said you wanted to meet me. And then when I came to your home, you said, so I just have to tell you something. You already, you already have the job. I just want you to answer one question for me. And I was like, okay. And you were like, how do you feel about Prince? <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and, and it was funny because- I really did that? Yeah, you oh don't remember? You have, I like, don't remember, you have but memory. I know that I play him a lot. 
and there had been people in the house at the time where it was bothersome for them. So it wasn't so much that you had to be a Prince fan to work there, but I did. I, I wanted you to be prepared that you might get a little tired of them. <laughs> I thought it was make or break, so I was like looking around the house for clues. <laughs> Thankfully, there was a oh picture of Prince on the cover of Vibe that was pasted on the I wall. Clearly, I had no HR training at the time. And I was like, yeah? And you were like, okay, great! <laughs> <laughs> and that was the beginning of it all. That was the moment that, it, that our, our friendship really kind of began. I guess that was the first seed being planted. Um, it just was... Wow. It was an incredible time for Carol's daughter. I remember because we were... At the, and, and I still say we, even after all these years, but I'm gonna, you know, it won't, it won't ever leave me. So we were, we were making products out of your kitchen. Mm-hmm. It was so, it was such a close, intimate space. Mm-hmm. You knew everybody's name. You knew everybody's, how you feeling if you were sick, you know, everybody, it was just so tight and intimate in that space. And it was just so much fun. And it was a great place for, for kids who had their first job like you learned work ethic and you learned responsibility there there were a lot of kids in the neighborhood who you employed Mm -hmm. and gave them their first jobs and that was probably one of my first official jobs so I owe a great deal to you in terms of um, my foundation as as an employee for so all the people who think I'm amazing you can you know thank Lisa (laughs) (laughs) it started somewhere Um, but your company is pretty special you started, you had humble beginnings. You started at flea markets, right? Right. Tell us all about that. Well, I started out as a hobby initially, making products in my kitchen, making things for friends and family, gifts, you know, making my own Christmas gifts, making somebody their birthday gift. Never really thought of it as something that was going to be a business when I started doing it. It was just a creative outlet, you know, the way somebody would crochet or knit or something like that. And my mother said one day, why don't you sell some of your creams at the church flea market? It's going to be at the end of May around Memorial Day weekend. And I thought, really? You think people would buy them? (laughs) And she was like, yeah, you know, she said the table's only $25 and Uncle Ron is going to be there with some of his T-shirts and Aunt Norma's going to make some carrot cake. So I thought at the very worst, I'd have a great day out with my family. Mm -hmm. And whenever you read about the $100 investment and how the company started, it was $100 for that first flea market. You know, the, the rental fee for the table, the tablecloth that I got, the flowers, the ingredients for that initial batch of butter that I brought out there with me. Um, And it did turn out to be a really nice day with my family, but I also sold out of all of the creams that I brought. And that was the beginning of me thinking, maybe this could be a little side job. Maybe people like it. Yeah. (laughs) And you were bottling your your product in in baby food jars, right? In baby food jars. (laughs) My mom um, had my baby sister at the time, who's now like 21 years old, um, Tora. Mm -hmm. And so she had baby food jars in her recycle bin and we you know like boiled the labels off of them and cleaned them and i used them and i refilled them with uh body butters and made the labels myself by hand so i'm i'm really really curious because there had to come a point where you had to 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 make a decision you know is this going to become something that i kind of go all in on or do i keep a backup job so how did that happen 
that decision actually um, was a pretty easy one to make, although daunting, um, but pretty easy because it just became a matter of dollars and cents and hours and minutes. I had been working in television and film production since I started in 93. In 1996, I was due to give birth to my first child, Forrest, who's now 19 and huge, <laughs> as you know. I can't even talk about that. And, uh, you know, I just, I just looked at the way that I was spending my days currently. You know, mm-hmm. I, I worked Monday through Thursday. I had gotten myself um, a pretty regular gig in television, which is not easy to do, but right. I had one. And I was able to negotiate a four-day work week, which gave me that extra day to dedicate to my business. So I started to think, well, when I have a baby and maternity leave is over, what do I do? If I go out to work, this is how much money I'm going to make, but then how much am I going to have to pay a babysitter? And at that present time, when I came home from work, I did work for two, three more hours in the evening because I didn't have any children. My husband also worked in television production. His day didn't end until 8.39. I would get home from work about 6.37. So I would have a good two or three hours to get work done before he came home and we, you know, we'd end up having a late dinner together. But you know, with a baby, I'm like, I can't come home and go to work. I have to like say hello to my child and play <laughs> with my child. So when I started adding up the dollars and the hours and the minutes, I realized, I'm going to make a paycheck and then I'm going to give the paycheck to whoever the nanny babysitter person is mm. and I won't see my baby like we, we won't be able to <laughs> bond and play you right, know right. so I said maybe now's the time for me to stop working really give the business a chance to uh, support itself and hopefully help me be able to contribute to my household but at least I knew I could do it because in theory, if I'm working, I'm giving the paycheck to the babysitter. It's actually not going into the house. So it kind of didn't make sense to do that. It made more sense to give it a shot. Mm. And that's what I did. And I haven't been to work for anybody other than myself since. How does that feel? Tell us about that. (laughs) How great is that? (laughs) I mean, it it is pretty great because you, you know, in the moment you you take this risk and you don't know how it's going to work out. And then later, when I was pregnant with Ennis, my my second child, Gordon ended up losing his job suddenly. Mm -hmm. So we were jobless and that was totally scary you know and and we have a baby and another one on the way and you know and then you come through that and make it and you know so you realize over time that you're a lot stronger than you think you are as you overcome each obstacle there's you know I think that that's it's it sounds to me like you've you've made an art out of listening like you listen to your your gut you listen to your instinct and you listen to your customers. I know that um, a lot of the choices that you make in terms of um, what to try, how to, how, you know, what direction to go in, it comes from you listening to the feedback that you get from, from the people who've supported you over the years. But my question is, how do you know, how do you filter? Because, you know, once you, once you grow to a certain level, once you get to a certain place, you're getting a lot of feedback from a lot of people. How do you determine, how do you decide, what do I listen to? What do I, what do I take in? What do I let go? Uh, that, that's a difficult question. It, it, it really is an individual thing. Um, 
because only you know what the real criticism is. You know, like when it comes to customer service issues, I think any business owner, any person who works for a business that deals with customers, you know going in there are always going to be customer service issues because it is impossible to make every single person happy. But in the beginning, I actually thought everything could be perfect and <laughs> everyone will be happy and no one will be disgruntled or upset about anything ever. I can fix it, you know? And I took it personally when they were not happy. And it took me getting my feelings hurt and getting upset and wasting energy crying over something over which I really didn't have any control to learn I can't get emotional about this stuff. It is a factor of doing business. It's a factor of dealing with people. Sometimes people will be happy and sometimes they won't. And all I can do is do the best job possible. So you do that. And the same thing kind of happens when you get a lot of different advice from different places. Over time, you learn what works and what doesn't work. Right. You know that there was that moment where someone said something and deep in your gut was like, nah, uh-uh, no. But your head said, no, but they have a lot of experience and maybe I should listen to this and give it a try. Even though your gut is like, nah, boo-boo. <laughs> and you listen to the head and say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what this person is saying. And then a year later, you're like, yeah, my gut was right. My gut was right. Yeah. So you, you learn from those experiences and the filtering gets a little bit easier. Um, to do and and then sometimes I think the universe puts you in certain situations just because you had to go that way to learn so even though it seemed like it was the wrong thing to do there's this there's this list of things that came out of it and you can't figure out how would I have gotten these 11 things if I didn't go down that path even though there were six things that were pretty god-awful I did get these 11 and I can't figure out how I would have gotten these without going that way so sometimes I think the mistakes are intentional which is why there's not much I would change oh god let me tell you Lisa <laughs> <laughs> everything you, you just said it's it speaks to my experience of, of this this new venture and I went through that exact same thing like um, Jeff could tell you I was having a breakdown not too long ago because I was so open to feedback but then I was hearing conflicting feedback. So uh -huh. somebody would say this, and then the next person would say something that was the complete opposite. And I was realizing that nobody was happy. And so then I had to ask myself, who am I doing this for? Am mm -hmm. I doing this for other people to be happy? Mm -hmm. Or do I want to do work that makes me proud, that I'm pleased with? Do mm -hmm. I want to do work that I consider to be excellent? So it was a very, very difficult lesson to learn that I learned in a puddle of tears in my room <laughs> on the floor. But I had to like literally ask myself, why am I doing this? And I want to be happy. And the only way for me to be happy is to not have my happiness rest in someone else's hands. I have to do this for me. I have to do work that I'm proud of. And so to hear what you're saying, I'm like, I could have talked to you a couple months ago and got this lesson, and, you know. So, but anyway. sometimes, sometimes you have to live through it. And then, and then yeah. you have to look at the feedback that you're getting and see if you can find something concrete in each person's right. point 
And that's the thing that you have to focus on. And if you can't do it, let somebody else do it. Like somebody else that you trust. Say, this person told me this, but this person said this, and then this person said this, and I can't find the common thread. It feels like it goes back and forth. And somebody else may be able to see it when you can't. And then you know that's the thing you need to change. Like I, I remember being in a meeting and feeling that deja vu moment where you feel like you've been in this place before and you're experiencing this experience. And I'm saying to myself, why am I experiencing this again? Why is this happening again? Why does this happen to me? And I looked around the room and realized the only person in the room that had been there before was me. And I was in a situation where I would have had validity in in saying that I was being ganged up on. That was a true statement. Mm -hmm. And it was a true statement the last time that it had happened. But if everybody in the room has changed and I'm the only one that's the same, can I really blame the other people in the room? Mm -hmm. Because somehow I ended up in that same space twice. Mm -hmm. So what am I doing or not doing that's allowing people to think that it's okay to gang up on me? So I can't look outside and go, you stop it and you stop it and you stop it. I had to look in the mirror and say, you stop it. Mm. Stop allowing it. And that was really hard. Yeah, that sounds (laughs) incredibly Because it was very easy to say, she's being mean to me and he's (laughs) not letting me talk. It's very easy to do that, you know. But I couldn't blame other people when none of the people in the room were the same as they were three years before. I was the common denominator. Well, I, I agree with you. I think it's important to, well, I, what I've done is exactly that. I've reached out and spoken to other people because I realized that I just did not have enough life experience to figure my way out of that. Mm. And so I turned to, to someone like Jeff, who's been like incredible in terms of just emotionally supporting me through this process. And then when he can't answer a question, he's always like, go ask Guy, which is another friend of ours. He was actually the first guest of the show and he's been helpful. So I think it's important to learn how to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I think that that's another thing that the, this process has taught me, how to ask for help, how to ad- admit that I don't know everything and mm-hmm. I need some sort of outside support. Have you found that as well in your experience? Absolutely. <laughs> you, you definitely have to ask for help. You, it, you just have to be careful who you ask the help from. Mm-hmm. You know, just you, as you build your, your network, you have to know who's safe mm-hmm. and who's not. Right. Um, Bishop Jakes has this this thing on YouTube that he does about confidants, um, constituents, and comrades, mm-hmm. and knowing who's who. Mm-hmm. And your confidant is the person who is with you and for you, and you can trust them. You can tell your dreams to them because they're they're with you and and they're for you and what you're about. Your constituents are with you, and they're for what you're for but they're not necessarily for you. Mm. So you have that thing in common that you, you, you're both for the same thing, but they're, they're not necessarily in your corner. Mm. So you can tell a confidant what you can't tell a constituent. And if you tell a constituent what you should tell a confidant, you can have issues with that. And then your comrades are for what you're against. So you're both fighting against the same thing, but they're not for what you're for and they're not really with you. They're only with you as long as you're against what they're against. Mm, and we need, we need them. We need our comrades and we need our constituents, but 
they're gonna go away. You know, your comrades are kind of like the scaffolding that holds up a building as it's being constructed. There's a time when the scaffolding goes away mm -hmm. and we wanna hang on to the scaffolding because we got confused and realized that that, that comrade, is that that's who they are, they're not the confidant. So that's really important because you don't tell your dreams to the wrong people and you don't tell your issues to the wrong people because right. then they use your issues against you. Yeah. And they think they understand you and they think that they know your your weak points because they knew you at one weak moment mm. and then they use that to define you. So you have to be very selective. Wow. God, get deep with me, Lisa. Good Lord. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Only someone who's been burned can tell you that. <laughs> you live, Lisa. You live. <laughs> Testimony. I had some comrades I thought were confidants. I understand. <laughs> it hurt. Ooh, I understand. Ooh, I understand. <laughs> so then the next thing that I wanted to talk about was guilt. I mean, you are doing something that a lot of women look at you and they wonder how it's possible. You are, you are, you found a way to balance um, growing a business. And, and growing a family and being a, a wife. Mm -hmm. And somehow it's all still here. 20, what, how many years has it been? 21? It'll be 22 in May. 20, almost 22 years later. Mm -hmm. You're still making it look incredibly well, by the way. This is just a friend <laughs> talking right now. But how, how do you deal with the guilt? Because I know that, you know, the, the more your, your business start to, started to grow, which was something that you were very, very excited about, mm -hmm. there were times when it was pulling you away from family and, and you know, um, you have a, a young daughter who's at that age where she needs help with homework and things like that. So I know that there were those moments where you were like feeling pulled mm -hmm. in between two loves. How did you, how did you um, rectify that? It, it's it's interesting and that's another thing that's sort of like ongoing so in the beginning when I was building the company and I was at home I got to be at home with the boys even though there were babysitters there um, not that I had multiple sitters I just mean different people throughout the course of the year I don't want to sound like Brad and Angelina you know. <laughs> I have five nannies uh, <laughs> even though there was a sitter present um, I could still see them and talk to them and be there and they knew who I was and by the time Becca came into our lives I had begun to travel and I couldn't always be at home and I took her to work um, as, as much as I could because I, I wanted her you know, to know who mommy was. And I remember feeling really bad. I had gone on a, a business trip and it ended up being longer than intended. I think I was supposed to be away for three days and I was away for five days. And I was feeling so you know, guilty that I was gone and I knew that she missed me. And she was still pretty young. She was like just starting to talk. And I came home and um, she was still awake and she was at the top of the steps and she sees me and she says, Mama, Mama. And I was like, you know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> My baby knows me. You know, and those moments kind of like, make you feel better mm -hmm. um, and, but I think my experience is that I might have the the guilt or the worry for a little while but because of the the path that I was on the universe very quickly teaches me it's okay mm -hmm. you know like you have to do this and and 
also having a husband that supports that and understands that and doesn't add to the guilt by making you feel even worse is, is helpful as well. We both knew no one else can do this but me. I, it, it's not that I'm doing it because I'm obsessive compulsive or it must be me and it's, it's all ego. There literally was not another person <laughs> who could effectively do the job that needed to be done, who could represent the brand, who could speak on behalf of the brand, who could go on HSN. I had to be the person to do that. I had to take care of this thing that I built. I couldn't turn it over to someone else to do that. So... If I, if I have to do that, and that's how we live, and that's how we eat, and how can I feel guilty about it? You know, and then I started to go to not just women's entrepreneurship conferences and women's business conferences, but conferences where there's mostly men. Not one man ever asks another executive, how do you juggle it all? <laughs> how do you balance the wife and the kids and the playdates and the homework with your rising career? Never, never comes up, ever, 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 ever. So why are we putting pressure on ourselves as women to ask that question as if there's something wrong with us if we can't get everything on the list done? Even if you are a mom who chooses to stay at home and not work outside the house, you don't get everything done. Your kids are still late for school sometimes. Right. You forget the school play. You forgot that you had to bake cupcakes and you ran to the store and bought some because it's life. It's hectic and it's busy and no one is supposed to have it all figured out. No one is, you know, the perfect mom that does everything all the it, I mean, there's just there's no perfection. It's it's not balance, it's juggling. Yeah. It's always juggling. And, you know, I used to say when Becca was really little, there's a lot of balls that are up in the air and I'm juggling things all the time. And as long as I don't drop the baby, I'm okay. Because <laughs> if I drop the baby, she's going to get hurt. If I drop the 10-year-old, he'll be all right. <laughs> he'll a little bump, a little boo-boo, but I can't drop the baby. Right. Well, I, I remember watching, you know, T.D. Jakes once and he was talking about it in, in terms of his life because he does so much. He has so many balls in the air as well. And he was saying that there's no such thing as being perfect. He's like, there's, he was like, you can't be perfect at everything ever. He says, but what you can do is commit, go one, you know, he says if, if he's going 60% with, with the, the, the church on one day, then he knows that he has to balance it out by going 60% mm -hmm. with the family mm -hmm. the next day. And mm -hmm. then, you know, so it's always shifting and moving so that everything gets a piece of him, but then, and nothing is lacking. Mm -hmm. And I really just, you know, I appreciated that. The last thing I wanted to talk about before we transition into the next segment is telling the truth. One of the things that I've admired about you from the moment I've met you is that I feel like you, you, when I, when I used your products, I felt like you were in every jar. You were on the label. You were inside. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what has contributed to your success. Um, one, you were a game changer, that's for sure, because I think um, at the time when you started, there, wouldn't, there were not many products out there that were offering what you were offering, mm -hmm. you know, these natural products and everything. But what I loved about your brand and still do is that it still feels like Lisa. You know, I still feel like I get a piece of you when I open up something, when I smell something. I actually can imagine you 
in the kitchen mixing up fragrances <laughs> when you mix you know when you're when you're creating new 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 products so what what would you say to someone who's who's looking to carve out a space in this industry well definitely finding your own way of doing something is is critical no matter what the business is whether it's beauty products or it's making cupcakes or you want to open up a pie shop you have to find the thing that you bring to it that makes it special and unique um, because that's that's what makes people come back if you're just like someone else then they could just get yours or theirs mm -hmm. it you know like it doesn't matter so there, you have to have that thing that makes what you do special and then you, you also have to figure out how to incorporate who you are into your brand so what i've learned in this 22 years is the little things that you did in building the brand and the way that you are becomes things that they weave into your packaging and your products and your your labels and your fonts and the way your website looks and it may not be something that a customer understands, but if you're ever in the position, and unfortunately I've been in this position, where you have to defend your brand against someone who's chosen to copy it, you can defend it. Yeah. You know, why is that wall pink? If somebody just copied a pink wall, they don't know the story of why the wall behind my desk is pink. And there is a story why that wall is pink. And why is there handwriting on a Carol's Daughter label? There's a story behind why that's there. So all those little things that we don't pay attention to necessarily when we're building the business, because we're caught up in that day-to-day -day of building and growing and paying bills and taking care of people are what a creative person just thrives off of. And they soak it up and they're like, get out of here. That's why you used handwriting? Oh my God, we can never take it off. It has to be on all the label. And it, it just becomes a part of the brand. the brand and it makes it harder for someone to copy you because they can't copy your authenticity mm, that's powerful so now you have to tell us why the wall is pink and why you use <laughs> handwriting <laughs> <laughs> well the original jars um, had handwritten labels on them and I do not know how to draw at all um, <laughs> but I can doodle a flower mm -hmm. so I doodled flowers on the bottom of the jar and kind of wrote you know a signature on it mm -hmm. and I don't know if you remember when I would print the labels myself in the office on the ingredients they always had peace and love yes I do remember well when you get official uh, you're not allowed to say that peace and love are actual ingredients <laughs> That kind of goes against the laws that, you know, <laughs> govern uh, beauty products. So we have Made With Love written on all of the jars. Mm -hmm. We still have a flower doodle that appears somewhere on a jar mm -hmm. as, as a throwback to that time. And because I wrote things down in a recipe book and I would write down why I put the ingredient in there, like trying aloe vera today for moisture and then going back and writing, it worked mm -hmm. or, or it was a little sticky, I need to thin it out. Those notes from my recipe book are incorporated on the front of the label to show why that particular ingredient 
is in there. Mm -hmm. And then the wall is pink for my mom. Um, just before my mom passed away, I had this dream about her and she wasn't well in the dream. Um, and she was going through a health crisis. Um, and I always felt like I misinterpreted the dream because in the dream, she sort of like holding her chest, mm -hmm. but I thought she was holding her chest like, oh, I don't feel well, oh, you know? And I was draping her in pink and she had this uh, cancer scare. She had a, a tumor in her eye that they removed and the tumor turned out to be malignant. And while they were trying to figure out what uh, treatment would be best for her, she ended up dying of a heart attack. Mm. So then I was like, oh my God, she was holding her chest in the dream and I totally misunderstood it. But she never had, you know, heart disease. But for the three or four weeks um, before she passed, we had a pink thing between the two of us. I bought her pink pajamas, pink sheets, pink blanket. <laughs> we burned pink candles. Um, and when I buried her, I buried her in pink and I bathed the uh, sanctuary in pink flowers. Um, so when the person who designed these offices was designing them, he knew that story. He put pink behind mm. my desk because my mother always has my back. Oh, see now, don't get me crying. I might get electrocuted with the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> okay, take a breath. Take a breath. And the, the angels that are are up there on the on the top shelf, mm -hmm. they are from Thailand. And the story with those angels is in one hand there's a nugget of gold, and the other hand is a fist, mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be the balance between give and take. Ooh. Yeah, I can give you bounty, but I'm not going to let you take it from me. So there's mm. there's always this balance of give and take. And mommy had one angel and I had the other one. And when she passed, I brought them both here. Oh, my God. I love that. Oh, I love your mom. <laughs> me too. <Aww. laughs> oh, goodness. Well, um, you know, you, you recently had a, a, a huge announcement that you shared with with. Um, your, your very loyal customers that you were now um, acquired by L'Oreal. Mm -hmm. How has that been, that transition? Well, first off, it's amazing to have a company as your number one choice. At one point they were number two, um, just because of my lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So many years ago I had two companies on that list and L'Oreal was number two. But then the more I learned about the business and the individual companies and different strengths and weaknesses, L'Oreal moved up to number one. And I knew they were the absolute best choice, but didn't know if I'd ever get there. Given the way that Carol's daughter grew throughout the years, we grew with investors. Your investors eventually have to exit. So I always knew that for me, the end game was going to be an acquisition. Mm -hmm. And because it's a business world, and in a business world, you don't necessarily get to go with what you feel is the best thing or what you want or what you would like to happen. You, you kind of have to go with the best offer because it's a business, you know, and there's other people involved in this business. And, you know, you can't say, well, you know, my gut says, <laughs> you know, when there's investors, they're like, well, I say, <laughs> and the lawyers say. Um, so it was quite amazing for all of that to dovetail and for the number one choice in my heart to be the best choice overall mm -hmm. and to be the best business decision and to be the best offer. So it was something that I was 
ridiculously proud of um, and still am. And it's one of the biggest achievements in my life because I know what it took to get here. I know how much work it took to get here. And I don't just mean the 22 years of building a business. There was real serious work that went into the last 24 to 36 months of Mm -hmm. that transition. Um, And I could not be happier. You know, it's, it's, it's what you do this for, for me. Yeah. It you know that that's my journey and my story. It's not necessarily everyone else's, but for me, it, I I could not be more proud. Yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating to me because I know that you know I as I said earlier, I knew you when we were you know back at the house and in the kitchen, and so to watch this this the the different stages of growth. Because we used to talk about Carol's daughter like a living being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so... And I still do. And so it's like to see her at this place, it's just, it's like a graduation. You mm-hmm. know, that's what it feels like. Because we've, it, you know, you, you've gone through all of these different stages with the company and it was it was just it was just yours for a time and then you started to share a little bit more and share a little bit more then Oprah blew the door off of that (laughs) which was awesome and 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 the world came to know her and they came to love her and love you and then you know other companies started to see you and recognize um, how great your brand was which was also a huge compliment to you and now for you to be in this position I think it's awesome and I'm so excited for you really really <laughs> proud of you and that's you know you're my girl so what you expect but it's just really really awesome I think I think some people may wonder will we still get Lisa in a jar will we still have you when we open those products are we still going to have a piece of Lisa so what would you say to that I I think that you definitely will because one of the things that you know I'm, I'm proud to have been able to do is to build a really strong team and that team is still here. So oh, you you know better than anybody because you know me. So there was a time where if we were getting the store ready for Christmas or we were doing uh, Dance Africa or International Arts Festival, who was there setting everything up because <laughs> she didn't trust anybody to do Lisa, it as well as her. Christ, yeah, Lord, right. have mercy, y'all. Okay. <laughs> um, and ha- I don't know, more than a decade before I could turn it over to someone yeah. else. Mm-hmm. I actually show up at events now and I have nothing to do with the setup. I know what the plan is. Mm-hmm. I know what theme we're going for. Um, but there's somebody else that will go down two days before and set up everything. And I, I don't have to be there. That is be- huge. Because I know that they know what they're doing. So, you wow. know, I have a product development person that I work very closely with, who is a friend, you know, like she's not just someone who works here. She knows what I like. Mm-hmm. She knows, no, Lisa, no, no, that's gotta go back. I don't even wanna give this to Lisa for her to try it because the consistency's not right. She, she knows because we've worked together for five years. She understands how I think and, and the process that I go through. And because she understands how I think, she can hear me talk about a pudding that I had for dessert and how this pudding made me think what if we could do a mousse that sort of turns into a pudding and she gets it Mm. and can follow that 
to translate it to a lab and then, you know, like we can end up with a product. So having people around me that understand me make me feel so much more comfortable about what it is that we're doing and how we're doing it. And then, you know, that process that I was talking about where the story gets woven into everything. Mm-hmm. The packaging person who works here knows the brand, knows the guidelines. And and then you ultimately do get to a point where these things are documented. You know, yeah. there's like do's and don'ts. There's ingredients we use, there's ingredients we don't use. Mm-hmm. There's colors we use, there's colors we don't use. There are images that we use and then there are images that we don't use. And you have to have those in a book right. because people will come and go and they have to have guidelines to follow. So, you know, I, I, I feel like even when I'm at the point where, you know, I've moved on to do something else, I, you know, I want to retire, I want to enjoy, you know, my life and not, you know, fly around and do stuff, you're still going to feel like Lisa's in the jar. That's awesome. Like, I feel like Este is still in Lauder products. Yeah. She's still there. Yeah. You know? Hmm. That's awesome. Yay. It makes me so happy. Okay. So now we're going to transition into the final and my favorite segment of the show. It's called called Tell Me Yours and I'll Tell You Mine. So I'm going to ask you four questions. Okay. The first three we will both answer. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is all you. You get the final word. Okay. Okay. So the first question is usually very light and funny, but this one is very serious. Okay. If you should meet Idris Alba first... <laughs> Will you tell him I love him? This one's very, I'm very serious. serious. Okay, Lisa, you're I'm very not even serious. Laughing okay, because it, it the way things are looking, I think you might beat me to him. <laughs> well, I, I've I've actually met Idris before, but it was a very brief encounter because okay. I only got to shake his hand. Um, and I and I have to be honest, if I get to have more conversation than a handshake, I would have to go a business route with it because okay. I've heard that he has a very uh, high level of interest in Carol's daughter, and if I had a men's line would be interested in being well, said perfect. person for it um so i would i would have to explore that lisa that lisa, and, lisa. The, and then the the fan side of me would have to dig deeper into the are they going to make you james bond because we really need to make this happen and if we need a twitter campaign I, i'm all over it lisa 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 this is perfect <laughs> to me this is perfect this is the perfect way for you to sit him down in one of those meetings where you're talking carol's daughter and just drop and let me show you my friend Azania. she loves you make it happen you know what i'm saying i understand I, that's all i'm asking and to answer the question but i i i feel like he's in a relationship though I, it, look these are semantics okay, okay? <laughs> semantics <laughs> nobody's thinking about that just do what I ask. That's gotcha. all. Just do what I gotcha. ask. And and if and if it were reversed, even though you know your husband, I love him, Gordon. You know I got your back. But I would say, you know, my girl Lisa, we both love you. You know, I would <laughs> I wouldn't say it. So I'm just saying, just you know, do a girl do you, thing. You know, one one night I decided. You know, sometimes I have days where I don't get to go on social media till the end of the day, and all of a sudden I got this idea that I wanted to post like pictures of. Um, really beautiful men, iconic men, like, you know, men that, you know, throughout the years, women are just like, yeah, right? <laughs> so I, of course, Idris is a part of that list. I think I did like seven posts that night. And so I go on Pinterest and I'm looking at pictures of Idris and some of them are ones that I've seen and I, you know, I want something different. And there was a picture of his back. Oh, God. And I thought, <laughs> oh. I thought, you know what? 
just for fun, I'm gonna put this up because it's his back. Like, who's gonna know it's him? Are they gonna know it's him? Yes. (laughs) The most likes out of all of the people that I posted and people actually said, this is ridiculous. Why do I know what this man's back looks like? If I had seen it, because I didn't see it and I follow you. If I had seen it, I would have just wrote, baby got back. (laughs) Yes, yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Jeff. Sorry to subject you to this conversation. Okay, so so for the second question, I'm going to be more professional now. Okay. <laughs> how do you define beauty now? And yeah. and how has your definition changed from day 1 of Carol's daughter to now? Well, from day 1, beauty um our tagline is beauty by nature. And what I realized in not explaining that to people It's like 12, 15 years later, when there is such a thing as natural beauty products, people thought that I meant I make beauty products with natural ingredients when I came up with Beauty by Nature. Mm -hmm. But when I came up with Beauty by Nature, it was like 1993, 1994. That would be like saying in a time of beepers that someone's going to create apps for smartphones. Mm, Okay. Mm -hmm. Huh? (laughs) What's a smartphone? Huh? Right. Right? (laughs) You didn't know what that was. I mean, a cell phone was like, you know, 12 inches tall. And remember when a flip phone was cool and, right. the, and the extending and the antenna, the antenna? You know, like mm-hmm. it, was, it was a very different <laughs> world. And your phone literally only made calls. Right. You had to have a two-way pager to text people, you know. So natural beauty products were just not something anyone would have thought of. You wouldn't have come up with a slogan for that because that didn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. So to me, beauty by nature meant that beauty was inherent in every single person. We're we're all beautiful and our makeup and perfume and, you know, hair products and creams, they're things that we do to enhance what God already gave us. We can't put the beauty on and we can't take the beauty off Mm -hmm. because it's really coming from inside and radiating out. So I still feel that way about beauty today. But I think as I get older um, and I guess in a way more public, um, not that I think that I'm a public figure, not that I think that I am a celebrity. I want want to be clear. (laughs) I I, I don't think I have become Oprah, Um, but I, I I am more public and then I'm more public because I put myself on social media I'm careful to represent myself a certain way because I'm also a brand. Mm. So I am mindful not to put up a picture where I just look crazy. (laughs) 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 But I also recognize that there are days that that's just how I look, Mm -hmm. you know, like there are days that you don't have concealer and you don't have foundation and your circles are showing under your eyes and you're tired and, and it's who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm more accepting of that and less concerned about being perfect um, and fixing every little flaw. And I think if I didn't have a brand where the brand reaches more people than I reach and the brand has a reputation and the brand is still part of the beauty business. So if I look like I don't use my products, then it's not a good thing for the right, brand. Right. If I didn't have to be mindful about that, um, I would probably have more no makeup, no filter images, you know, on my Instagram because at this age, it's just so not important. 
I mean, it's important, but it's not important. Like it's important to me to take care of myself and it's important to me to get my nails done because it's where I express myself and it's fun. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, there, there are certain things that have to be removed from the face, you know, like upper lip mustache <laughs> things that just happen when you get older. You know, I don't need that. Um, so I go to my waxing appointments for that. <laughs> but I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm okay in the Birkenstocks and the yeah. sweats. That's yeah. how I went through the airport yesterday. I had sweats and Birkenstocks. And yeah. if somebody recognized me, hey. This is who I be. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I'm with that. Okay, if I were to answer the question, I, I would say when I was younger, I thought beauty was perfection, like what you just said. I was mm. completely delusional. <laughs> <laughs> I believed what I saw in those magazine covers, and I thought that that's what beauty was. And then you meet somebody who you think is beautiful, and then they don't have the spirit with it. And then you're like, oh, well, it's, you know, beauty is, it runs deep. It's yeah. supposed to. Yeah. You know, so for me now, um, having worked in a beauty brand as well, you know, working through Carol's Daughter, um, I think what I've come to know beauty to be is um, the capacity for compassion, humanity, and love. Like, that's what's beautiful to me. Mm -hmm. When I see people showing kindnesses toward one another, I think it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And so that's why I want to you know exemplify that in my life in some way some some form i want to be used in that way and i mm. think that that's when i'm i'm most beautiful when i'm doing that oh gosh i'm getting emotional <laughs> <laughs> okay so question number three what excites you most about this new chapter of your life and career uh it's 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 that it was such a big thing. It was all consuming for 10 months. Mm -hmm. um, and the obsession started 36 months before it happened, roughly. Mm -hmm. But the last 10 months, it was literally all that I could focus on because it required that much focus and 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 it didn't just require focus from the perspective of business um, and I wasn't doing it all by myself you know there's a team of people there you know there were lawyers and there were accountants and there were um, you know financial officers and you know due diligence is a very serious and tedious process it's not done by one person ever um, but I had to Focus the way that I've always focused from a spiritual perspective and know that I was going to win and do what I have to do to do that. Mm -hmm. Visualization, vision board, meditation, burning a candle, whatever it was that I was using to, to get to there. But then I also had to live in the moment that I was in and, and still make everything that I was doing at that moment work. Mm -hmm. Because whether I get to this thing or not, all of this in between still has to function. So I can't abandon what I'm doing presently for what I want in the future. And when there were times as you're going through the process where you don't know how it's gonna come out and you're getting scared and oh my God, what if this doesn't work? It's kind of like, 
planning a really big wedding and you're not sure he's going to show up mm. <laughs> oh my God. because that's the arrangement that you have like he'll just he'll just show up but he said I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be there I'm like 87% mm. sure I'm going to be there but you've got to get the dress you've got to get the place you got to order the flowers you got to get the food mm-hmm. and maybe he'll be at the altar yeah it was kind of like that you know and I didn't realize it until it was over. My God, how much of my life was taken up with this with this thing, right? Yeah. And and so then you get to this place where you're like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> what, what what's what's the next? And I I don't know what the next thing is. Like mm-hmm. people think, oh, I'm going to start another company, which I cannot even imagine <laughs> because that was just too much work uh, to do this. Um, you know, so I sort of think to myself, is it learning uh, how to navigate in this in this corporate environment and sort of exploring that side of myself? Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Um, I think there's also a piece where I have to help other people along. So I haven't stopped speaking um, and doing that kind of stuff because I think I think there's a there's a responsibility to show people that they can get there and then I feel a responsibility as an African American person to make other African American business owners not feel ashamed of selling yeah. because people think that you're a sellout and you know they they don't think that if a white person sells their company it, it's like yay you did great you got a great number for that and that's fantastic mm. but if we sell because there isn't as much that we own we covet everything and oh the person just sold out right. you know now it's not a black owned business um but you know we we have to build wealth you know we right. have to it's going to take us a long time to catch up to our counterparts you know we're 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 nowhere near being there and there's going to have to be some selling that goes on <laughs> before we really have wealth there are a lot of people who are are rich that are uh, people of color. There are not many people of color at all who have wealth. This is a very right. different thing. Chris right. Rock said, rich, you can lose in a weekend in Vegas. Yeah. Wealth, you can't get rid of that. Right, right. <laughs> you can't, you can't, it, wealth doesn't go anywhere. Right. So there's not many of us that have true wealth and it's going to take a lot for us to get there. So, yeah, I, I think I, I have a lot of learning to do for myself and growing, and I think I have some teaching that I have to do. But exactly what it is, I'm not sure. So I'm just keeping my eyes and my heart open. Mm-hmm. Wow, I love that answer. And, and and for me to answer that question, and, and, and I'm relating it to this, this venture in terms of the radio show, I think what excites me most <laughs> is... You know, when I talk to the different guests that I've had on the show, none of you saw what you're living now as 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 your your future. You want you hoped and wished for something great, but you didn't you couldn't specifically say this is where I was where I'm going to be. And so I'm very excited about that unknown thing that's going to happen. I think something great is coming. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but just judging from the people that I have that I've had an opportunity to sit across from and talk mm-hmm. to you something great that's far beyond anything I can imagine is is likely on its way and so I'm excited about whatever that is and I'm open to it and I'm and I'm very interested in how I'm going to grow through that process Mm. because it's only been like we're on this will be episode I think eight and I the the amount that I've been through in this process and how much I've grown through it already has just been a surprise to me so I'm very excited to see, you know, 
when I look back 22 years from now, mm-hmm. how this has um, influenced and changed my life. So, yeah. yeah, you you don't you don't know exactly what it is or what it's going to look like or what it's going to feel like, but you know you're going in the right direction. Yeah. Like that that that's kind of how it feels. You know, you know that you're taking the steps to go the right way. You just don't know what it looks like at the end. Right. That's <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay, this is your question. It's all you. Okay. Um, if you could give someone starting out on this path one piece of advice, what would it be? Wow. So hard to give one. Starting out on which path specifically, though? Just being an entrepreneur or entrepreneur. being in this business, an entrepreneur? Um, hmm. the most important thing is knowing who you are hmm. because when you're an entrepreneur a lot of who you are goes into your business and to be successful in business your business does have to change because it can't be successful if it doesn't. I used to print catalogs. You remember collating and <laughs> yes, stapling and absolutely. all that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't do that anymore. It's not efficient. Nobody reads them. Everything's digital, you know? So you there, there are aspects that have to change because the world around you changes. But if you know who you are, you bring who you are into what you're doing. So I don't... I don't get to express myself through texture and color in paper the way that I used to with a catalog, but I can do it in texture and background in photos and nuances on the website and maybe texture on a label. Um, But knowing who you are is the only way that you and your business survive together. It's the only way that you know how to speak it's the only way that the customer knows who you are. And, and I say it from experience because I lost myself in Carol's Daughter for a few years. So there were a few years, and thank God the brand was strong enough that it survived it. And only people really close to me would know mm-hmm. that, that I went through that. But I lost my voice in it. And when you find your way back and find your voice back into it, then you're, you're really clear on how important that voice is and you never ever ever second guess it so Mm. yeah try you can't you can't lose yourself in it or lose your voice in it because you you might not get it back thank god i got it back wow well what a note to end on (laughs) goodness gracious lisa good lord that was good thank you so much this has been incredible. I mean, and, and guys, I know you might be jealous. She's my friend, so I get to have these kinds of conversations all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really glad that I got to share one of these conversations with my audience. I hope somebody gets something out of this, because I know I certainly did. Thank you so, so much for this, Lisa. It's been incredible. Tell people how they can follow you on social media. Well, you can follow uh, Carol's Daughter on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Carol's Daughter. And you can follow Lisa Price on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter. It's I am Lisa Price. Yeah, that's awesome. And you can follow the Outlet Radio Show um, at the Outlet Radio Show on Instagram, at the Outlet Radio on Twitter. And you can also follow us at the Outlet Radio Show on Facebook. 
Um, thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. This has been an amazing conversation. Uh, we will be right back with our closing word. Hi, this is Lisa Price, Carol's daughter, and you are plugged into the Outlet Radio Show with Azania Shange. Today was a wonderful, wonderful show. I'm so glad that I had an opportunity to interview my friend who I love. Thank you, Lisa, for joining us on the show, for christening the show. I look forward to many, many more conversations with you across your kitchen countertop. Um, You know, one of the things that I really, really, really appreciated about today's interview was something that Lisa said about being your authentic self. She said, if you're just like someone else, then you can essentially be found anywhere. They can't copy your authenticity. When I first set out to do this, I think I was wanting to emulate people that I admire. I love Oprah. You know, I've, I've often admired her. I love uh, Diane Sawyer. But I had to have my own voice in this game. And I'm still in the space of finding it. I think it's important, though, to be courageous enough to venture out and share those parts of you that are authentic. So... If there is anything that you are setting out to do, remember, it's okay to be inspired by those that you admire. It's even okay to emulate them in, in terms of your work ethic and how you approach the business. But remember the most important and most essential ingredient, you. Bring your authentic self to what you do. So whatever you do, dare greatly. Dare to answer the call. Dare to follow your hearts and get ready because I assure you on the other side of your fear your doubt and your insecurity is a wealth of experiences far greater than anything you can ever imagine until next time bye Carver Music and Lions Pen Production. Shange, Shange, Shange.